Welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today we are going to be talking about something that I'm really excited to talk about. Um, I think Audrey might be as well. And I'm not. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, this is, I guess, we, this is, this idea for an episode hasn't been around for very long and I don't really know why because I feel like this is like a prime episode topic that we've just been ignoring for a while Also... Now. I will say we like put this in our schedule, our like list of one to do things, and then like a week later, somebody in the Facebook group or something was like, "You should do an episode on this." And, yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, we'll put that in our list." And then I was like, "Wait, <laughs> we already did. we have this planned already." Um, so, but without further ado, <laughs> speaking of serendipity, we'll delay it just a little bit longer. There was a Facebook thread that was going off on our Facebook group. Like, in the past couple days, that just so happened, just so happened, is that a phrase? Yeah. Just so happened to be about wand, which is what this episode is about. Whoa. I know. And, and Ollivander. Mr. Gareth yes. Ollivander. I will say the Facebook thread was, like, definitely centering more around, like, prop wands. Yeah, like, so what much, like, wands wand people are. Yeah. Yeah. But either way. We're talking about wands and Mr. Garrick Ollivander today. Yes. Today's, or this episode's patron is Leia. Leia, thank you. You're an OG. I'm sure we yeah, say this every time. I know. <laughs> um, but thank you for your support. Yes, we very much appreciate it. Um, so we do have uh, two announcements, a couple announcements today. One is about our movie watch along that we've been talking about for at least the last couple episodes, maybe just the last one. I can't remember. Um, but we've nailed down some specifics and some have not been nailed down. So be on the lookout for that. So our watch along will be on June 26th at 2 PM Eastern standard time. So if you're on the West coast, that's 11 AM. Yeah. If you're in Europe, that's like 7 or 8 p.m., yeah. depending on where you are. Um, and then, I don't know. Anywhere in between, it works. <laughs> yeah, we try to pick a time that works apart. for as many time zones as possible, um, and also one that wouldn't end up being too late for either of us, because we are recording that on Saturday and or we are watching that live Saturday. Sorry, we're watching Deathly Hallows Part One. If I haven't mentioned, um, we're watching that Saturday, and the first episode that's coming about out about that movie is Tuesday. So we will be recording that those episodes at either Sunday or Monday. So the episode will probably not be coming out early for patrons. So we apologize for that. But the quick turnaround, we wanted to give ourselves as much time as possible for editing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where I started, why I started talking about this. But yeah, we're recording Saturday. Or no. No, we're, we're uh, watching uh, The only Saturday. date that you need to know as a listener <laughs> is June 26th, Saturday. Oh, I remember why. Eastern time. I remember why I went on that tangent, because it's earlier in the day, so it gives us more time to, like, get stuff prepared. But as of right now, date of recording, Wednesday, June 9th. We are tentatively planning on using Discord, like watch live stream feature within a Discord server. 
I think that'll probably be the easiest. We've done bare minimum bare minimum research about it so far, <laughs> so that might change. Um, but from what I can tell, it sounds like there might be a 10-person limit on the live watch. So if you want to join, be ready. <laughs> you might get kicked out. No, I actually don't know how it works at all, but just saying it might have a 10-person limit. Um, and if that doesn't work, I think Audrey and I are going to try and run some test trials, get a Discord server set up because we don't have one of those. If not, we're going to use this program called Scener, and that's basically like a Netflix watch party, but it's just kind of available for many different platforms. It's like a third-party website or program that works like a Netflix watch party. Yeah. <clears throat> so be on the lookout for more specifics and links coming when it comes closer to the date of the live watch along. Yeah. Check our social media channels. Um, probably will where we will like post first is um, the Facebook group. I assume if you're interested in this, you're probably probably a listener that's already in the group like yeah but um make sure you join the group or you're monitoring the group if you um want to join us yep all right and then the last announcement which is just a carryover from last episode but yay it's still pride month woo um so far nobody has sent me a donation or sent me proof of a donation so that's kind of a bummer um but you guys want some cool buttons you should just send proof of your donation of any amount to a queer organization um and i'll send you some cool harry potter pride buttons great for daily life and especially for conferences conferences like leaky con (laughs) conventions conventions maybe (laughs) sorry i'm i'm a scientist yeah uh, so I think that's all we have for now announcements. Oh, actually, I don't think we've ever said this. Maybe we have, but we are not doing weekly episodes this summer, in case you haven't noticed. I guess we normally start that in June, so yeah. maybe you haven't noticed. But we are not, because in the pa- our past two summers doing this, we've done weekly ep- episodes from the months of June, like to, June August, to August, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now that we are not students and we don't really have a summer break anymore it doesn't really <laughs> yeah lend nobody itself. warns you for how like <laughs> life just continues like once you hit a certain age once you leave college or your last yeah. year of schooling like summer is like it's just the same but, but hot. hotter <laughs> like <laughs> okay anyway adjusting to that <laughs> yeah so again i don't know if we've said that anywhere but that is what's happening. We are staying to our every other week release schedule. Yes. Sorry to let you down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're first going to talk about Mr. Ollivander and then dive into a little bit more on wand lore, but I'm sure we'll touch on wands a bunch when we um, go through Ollivander. So to jump into his fact file, his full name or... I guess it's probably not his full name, but his name, as we know it, is Garrick Ollivander. And Garrick is an old English name, meaning one who governs with a spear. So, okay, doesn't really feel relevant. Um, 
a lot of his ancestors, or, like, all of his ancestors that we know of have G first names. I'll talk about that more in a moment. Um, but then as far as the name Ollivander, according to a Wizarding World um, writing, it means he who owns olive, owns an olive wand, which then, like, hints that apparently he has Mediterranean heritage because olive trees like you wouldn't own an olive wand if you were in the UK because they don't make them there because olive trees aren't native to the UK um so apparently he has some Mediterranean heritage yeah so I guess we do know his birthday I really don't know why probably just some like extraneous information from JK um yeah but his birthday is September 25th and we know that it's pre-1908 this is because Voldemort bought his wand from Ollivander. Mm. And so, like, the youngest he could have been having completed school mm. by the time that Voldemort was 11 would have been, like, being born in 1908, I think. Yeah, I mean, The sense. September 25th, I just think, comes from, like, Pottermore. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um... And I guess, oh my god, I just bit my tongue. <laughs> I guess, like, Voldemort must be the oldest known, like, customer of Ollivander's then, if we're using Although, his. No, maybe that doesn't feel right, though, because Voldemort didn't get his wand until, like, the 1930s, right? Yes. Well, yeah, because, wait. Yeah. He was born in the 1920s. So... Maybe it was someone else. Or maybe the wiki's just wrong. It's on the wiki. Can you look? Yeah. It's like the source. Okay. Does the source is Garrick Ollivander was a known wand maker? Oh my god. By 1926, as seen on Macusa's wand permit application, oh. in order to be of age by this time, he would have to have bor- been born in 1907 at the latest. Oh, okay. So, so it's from Fantastic Beasts. So it's like mm. yeah. So and it for a tip. Jesus Christ. Um, also, if it's on Macusa's wand permit application, that means it's just a prop from the movie. Yeah. So yeah. that makes it even less canon in my book. Um, so then my canon would be pre-1918 or whatever year. Voldemort was born. Was What's born? Voldemort's birth year? Was it 26? For some reason, 26 is popular. Yeah, head, that's, what, that's coming to my head, too. Why? <laughs> I think... Uh, yeah, it is 26. Okay, so Damn. Voldemort was born in 26, so plus 11. He would have been going to school in 37. Well, so it's just minus 6 for all of Andrew, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. So 1920. Okay, so pre-1920 is my canon. Yeah, I would I would semi-agree with but, that for, like, just canon, but he also seems quite old is by yeah. the time we meet him, so I wouldn't be surprised he seems, if he was quite a bit older. But, yes, for, like, just Because he seems, like, similar in age to Dumbledore. Yes, Dumbledore was born in, like, the late 1800s or something like that. Yeah. 1880s or something like that. Yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, so, his parents are Gervais Ollivander and then... 
his mom, we don't know her first name, um, but she was a muggle-born witch. So that makes him a half-blood because apparently Ollivander is a sacred 28, like the Ollivanders are a sacred 28 family. So I, like, did they, like, do they get removed from the list? Or is it just, like, sacred 28, like, asterisks, like, until this point? Yeah. Because like, uh, that is weird because if your family has this, like, long, rich history of yeah. being, like, one of the most important, like, pure-blood families in the wizarding world, it seems weird that, like, you could right. change that. You know and still, I mean? like, some, like... Like, some branches, you know, like, Ollivander's yeah. dad married a muggle-born, but, like... But if he had Ollivander's, a brother that didn't... His, yeah, yeah, if he had a brother that didn't, then, like, that that branch would stay pure blood. Yeah. So I wonder if it's just, like... And, the, like, also the Sacred 28 was a thing, like, I think was made, like, a while ago. Mm-hmm. So, like... Maybe they, maybe it was more of, like, a non-canon removal, or, like, a, like an out-of-world removal. Like, people thought the Ollivanders were part of the Sacred 28, but then when we got more information, it was like, oh, they're not. And then they got removed. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it, was, maybe it wasn't, like, an in-world removal from the Sacred 28. No, no, no. I think they are on the Sacred 28. Oh. I'm saying, but how? Like, I think all of the Ollivanders are a Sacred 28 family. I'm going to check. Sorry, I thought you were saying that they were, and then... No, I'm questioning, like, does that mean that they're now removed? gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I feel like... Yeah. I feel like They're on the Sacred 28 list. I feel like to be on the Sacred 28, maybe there's, like, a generation cutoff. Like, you had to have been... All pure blood blood for, like, like, ten generations or something. Yeah. Or, like, until this year. Yeah. I mean, obviously, until the year that, like, in canon, Sacred 28, in world, Sacred 28 yeah. was written. But, yeah, I don't know. So, anyway, um, we do know, like, since they are Sacred 28, like, I think they're, they're family trees for a lot of the Sacred 28. So, we do know a bit about his ancestors. So, he, the, the original Ollivander, who we don't have a first name for, um, apparently founded the store in 382 B.C., um, and he was a Roman wizard, so he, there's that, like, Mediterranean heritage I was talking about, and he established the family business in the UK, like, in Roman Britain, when the Romans occupied Britain. And then we know of a Geraint Ollivander from the Middle Ages. He was a medieval wand maker. Then we know of Ger- Gerbold Octavius Ollivander um, from the 19th century. So he is our Ollivander's grandfather, and he was a rival to Arturo Cephalopus, Cephalopus, who pre- predictably went out of business. So there was a little rivalry between the wand makers a couple generations back. And then we get Gervais, um, who was around the late 19th century into the early 20th century, the father of Garrick Ollivander, R. Ollivander. And according to his son, Oh, this is something we'll talk about later. So never mind that part. Um, and then R. Ollivander, um, widely regarded as the best wand maker in the world in the 20th century. And then he had a son. And we don't know his son's name, but apparently he had I'm a son. I'm checking the source on this. I guess it's all the same source. It's some tree, oh, but I feel like the tree doesn't exist. Tree. 
on like the website on Wizarding World. Wait, I looked at that writing. It doesn't have that much information. Oh, well that's the source for it. I wonder if... There was more to it? Yeah, and it was cut out because... Throwing in... A child for Mr. Ollivander seems, like, weird. Yeah. Two children. Uh, yeah. Two children. Yeah, sorry, there's a Miss Ollivander as well. Yeah. Who apparently died before 1991. Oh, I have it died before 2011. Hmm. Hmm. I'm interested. Okay, so the sources listed on this website as a whole for the Ollivander family tree is... The Garrick Ollivander writing on Pottermore, a pureblood writing from Wizarding World. The Mr. Ollivander writing, which doesn't really have any of this information. And then books for some of the stuff. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. So, I would take that with a grain of salt if we can't find any evidence of this anymore on the internet. But <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> So, we do know his wand is a hornbeam wand, 12 and 3 quarter inches, with a dragon heartstring core. So, we'll talk about his wand wood. This is the writing on hornbeam from the Wizard World website. My own wand is made of hornbeam. And so, it is with all due modesty that I state that Hornbeam selects for its life mate the talented witch or wizard with a single pure passion, which some might call obsession, though I prefer the term vision, which will almost always be realized. Hornbeam wands adapt more quickly than almost any other to their owner's style of magic and will become so personalized so quickly that other people will find them extremely difficult to use even for the most simple of spells. Hornbeam wands likewise absorb their owner's code of honor whatever that may be and will refuse to perform acts whether for good or ill that do not tally with their master's principles a particularly fine-tuned and sentient wand so i think that obviously the liked part about the life's passion is very on brand for olivander um this is also crumbs wandwood and so like it fits him really well, too. Yeah, I remember talking about this for the Crumb episode. Um, and we had, like, the discussion about performing acts that don't fit the moral mm-hmm. code of the owner. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we know quite little about Ollivander. <laughs> but yeah. this, like, pure passion or obsession um, definitely fits him pretty well. And I do picture Ollivander kind of, like... I'm sure he has, like, a very special relationship with his wand. Um, and so this kind of, like, personalized connection that hornbeams create with their owner, I think, also felt fits Ollivander pretty well. And, um, like, adapting to their style of magic. Like, I feel like Ollivander also has, like, a quite unique style of magic. That's just my own, like... Yeah. I don't know. What you call it? Not, like, fanfic, but... My own assumptions that I'm making about him. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then his Hogwarts house was Ravenclaw, which the source on this is also, like, one of those Wizarding World, like, writings that I think no longer exists because I can't find it. Um, But I don't think that anyone would, like, really argue that strongly against it being Ravenclaw. It kind of just makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
seems to embody like a lot of those qualities. Like he's pretty seems pretty like introverted and cool being alone. He obviously like I think a blonde making he approaches I th- I'll talk about this a little bit later, but he approaches it seems like from a very like scientific perspective. Yes. Um and he's a little quirky, like great respect yeah. for like knowledge. Yeah, I think Harry definitely had some, like, mixed feelings about Ollivander mm-hmm. after their first meeting, which I will talk about now in the first Whoa. mention section. So, to be fair, I'm pretty confident, slash maybe just a little confident, <laughs> that the name Ollivander might have been mentioned before this. Um but I'm going to be talking about, like, his description in the first meeting. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, earlier on Hagrid was like, oh, we'll have to go to Ollivander's to get your wand. You know what I mean? But I yeah. feel like when Ollivander's is referred to as, like, the shop name, it's not really a reference to, like, Mr. Ollivander. So yeah. this is just the first time we meet him in the store. Good afternoon, said the soft voice. Harry jumped. Hagrid must have jumped too because there was a loud crunching noise and he got quickly off the spindly chair. An old man was standing before them, his wide pale eyes shining like moons through the gloom of the shop. Hello, said Harry awkwardly. Ah, yes, said the man. Yes, yes. I thought I'd be seeing you soon, Harry Potter. It wasn't a question. You have your mother's eyes. It seems only yesterday she was in here herself buying her first wand, ten and a quarter inches long, swishy, made of willow. Nice wand for charm work. Mr. Ollivander moved closer to Harry. Harry wished he would blink. Those silvery silvery eyes were a bit creepy. Your father, on the other hand, favored a mahogany wand. Eleven inches, pliable. A little more powerful and excellent... Oh, a little more power and excellent for transfiguration. Well, I say your father favored it. It's really the wand that chooses the wizard, of course. And then they go on to have kind of this, like, awkward conversation about... Um, like Voldemort later on because they share a wand wood and that kind of also turns Harry off of Ollivander a little bit because he says like he does he like did great things like terrible but great see yeah he has a real respect for like the magic that like Voldemort did and I feel like a Gryffindor would not have that a Hufflepuff would not have that a Slytherin or Ravenclaw would but like a Slytherin like Ollivander's not a Slytherin. <laughs> I feel like a Slytherin would have more respect for, like, the power that Voldemort gained, whereas, like, mm. Ollivander very clearly had respect for, like, the like his mastery of magic. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So, that is the first meeting of Ollivander, and the question mark, the only meeting until Deathly Hallows? Like, oh, no, he's in a Goblet of Fire. Never mind. He's in Goblet of Fire, yeah. And then, other than that, he's just ref- referenced. Yeah, I think they talk about, like... He's probably referenced every book. Yeah, yeah. I would probably say at least once. Because I feel like a lot of times they're always, like... Oh, like, when Ginny goes, like, in second yeah. year, they're like, Gotta go to Ollivander's, the best wand makers mm-hmm. in the world! You know, like that. I feel like there's normally a mention of that in every book. Yeah. Okay. So, his personality type is... Um, INTP, which is the logician, and it's the same as Hermione, Arthur Weasley, and Flitwick. And I feel like that's, like, a really good grouping of four characters that, like, it makes sense that they have the same personality type. I would Obviously, say, yeah. like, 
Ollivander and Flitwick, we know a lot less about them as, like, Arthur and Hermione, but I just think, like, sometimes I read, like, because I'm keeping track, like, who has what, and, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel like I can't give this person this personality type because, like, Mm -hmm. someone that's totally different has it, but um, these four, like, make sense together. So, logicians pride themselves on their unique perspectives and vigorous intellect. They can't help but puzzle over the mysteries of the universe, which may explain why some of the most influential philosophers and scientists of all time have been logicians. This personality type is fairly rare, but with their creativity and inventiveness, they aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Um, so, like I was saying earlier, it seemed like it, this is talking about intellect and like, a lot of scientists and philosophers are that way. And I think the way he approaches wand making does feel very scientific. I'll talk about this later, but like he like is the one that revolutionized like only using the three different cores, um, and like ruling out all of like any other ones that weren't as good. And he has these writings on like what would best match, like what would best matches, um, a certain type of person and how like the wood and the core interact and everything. Um, and that just all feels like it feels very intellectual and kind of like sciencey, even though it's also like this immaterial magical thing. Um, and just in general, like it talks about being unique and like, this is a very unique career. Like, we, we don't know many people who are wand makers, you know? In fact, I think we know exactly <laughs> two. <laughs> um, and so then it also referenced the mysteries of the universe and, like, <laughs> the three conversations Harry has with him, like, one of them, he's, like, doing this big, like, pondering, like, staring off into space, like, oh, that's weird, like, talking about him and Voldemort having the same core, or this, the feather from the same phoenix. So, that that paragraph alone sold me on this personality type. Um, it's very um, reminiscent to me of, like, the hornbeam description, yes. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. They fit very well together. Logicians often lose themselves in thought, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. People with this personality type hardly ever stop thinking. From the moment they wake up, their minds buzz with ideas, questions, and insights. At times, they may even find themselves conducting full-fledged debates in their own heads. Um, again, this reminded me of their first meeting with Harry, and, like, whenever we see him, I think during, like, the weighing of the wands, he's like, oh, like, he's, like, wanting to rant about wands, and you can tell that he's, like, thinking about these things in his own head. Um, so definitely just, like, all consumed by wand floor. <laughs> From the outside, logicians may seem to live in a never-ending daydream. They have a reputation of being pensive, detached, and a bit reserved. That is until they try that is until they try to train all of their mental energy on the moment or the person at hand, which can be a bit inc- uncomfortable for everyone. But regardless of which mode they're in, logicians are introverts and tend to get t- tired out by extensive socializing. After a long day, they crave time alone to consult their own thoughts. Um, that thing about, like, making people uncomfortable when they, like, it becomes their sole focus. Again, that first meeting with Harry, when Harry is definitely uncomfortable. Um, and then also, like, just in general, he, we get the impression, we don't 
get any evidence against or any evidence for this, but, like, we get the impression that he's kind of a hermit and that, like, it feels like he just, like, lives above the shop and is, like, constantly, like, making lawns and, like, just, like, the appeal, like, the description of the shop, um, it all very feels, like, very, like, that's his whole life and, like, he's fine. He would happily just spend a whole day, like, making lawns and not talking to anyone. He gives me, like, crazy scientist vibes, you know? Yeah. Like, mad scientist for sure. vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would be a mistake to think that logicians are unfriendly or uptight. When they connect with someone who can match their mental energy, these personalities absolutely light up, leaping from one thought to another. Few things energize them, like the opportunity to swap ideas or enjoy a lively debate with another curious, inquiring soul. Um... I do think he's, like, energized by a puzzle, like, by, like, some sort of, like, odd thing. And I'm pretty sure he, like, wrote Dumbledore when Harry, like, got the wand he did and was, like, oh my god, like, Fox's other feather went to Harry, like, whatever, isn't that wild? And I bet, like, I could see the two of them having a sort of relationship of, like, what's described there. Like, they're both super curious and inquiring and, like... I could see them being, like, not necessarily friends, but, like, people who, like, debate things and, like, often go to each other with, like, weird predicaments. Logicians could spend all day musing about ideas and possibilities, and they often do. That said, the practical everyday work of turning those ideas into reality doesn't always hold their interest. Fortunately, when it comes to dissecting a tricky, multi-layered problem and coming up with a creative solution... Few personality types can match logicians' creative genius and potential. Um, people with this personality type want to understand everything in the universe, but one area in particular tends to mystify them, human nature. As their name suggests, they, are, they feel most at home in the realm of logic and rationality, and as a result, they can find themselves baffled by the illogical, irrational ways that feelings and emotions influence people's behavior, including their own. So in general, like, he is super curious, and I think it's interesting this, like, nod to human nature being the thing that kind of stumps them, because, like, he kind of deals with human nature as far as, like, matching wands to na- to their nature, but I guess this is why maybe he tries to make it more sciencey, more logical, because mm. that's, like, a tangible thing that, like, he can do and then like the the intangible is the wand choosing the wizard you know like he can only try to guide the wizard towards the right wand um as far as strengths we have analytical original open-minded curious and objective and for weaknesses disconnected insensitive dissatisfied impatient and perfectionistic so yeah that's interesting. I think that a lot of this fits his wand wood as mm-hmm. well as like Ravenclaw as a house, which I think is really interesting because of the people we have sorted into this personality type, half of them are Ravenclaws and half of them are Gryffindors. But I feel like this description mm-hmm. is like so Ravenclaw to me. Like and I yeah. the this like makes me question Hermione's personality type in this because I feel like a lot of this is about like a single obsession kind of thing Mm -hmm. like we can see that and at least Ollivander and Arthur I don't know maybe Flitwick not so much but like he is a teacher of a subject so I feel like that could Mm -hmm. just kind of Mm -hmm. you know be his thing 
Um, so I wonder, because, like, Hermione is obviously, I feel like, the one that is the poster child for this personality type within right, Harry Potter. Right. So I wonder if it was kind of like, oh, because we can't have, like, I don't know, you can't have Flitwick be, like, the logician in these, like, Myers-Briggs yeah, and Potter yeah. breakdowns. So it makes me wonder if, like, Hermione was kind of, like, the closest to this one. And so they yeah. had to put her in, like, you know, of, like, the major characters. Yeah. I mean... And I don't know, maybe there's just different passages that fit Hermione better. And, like, yeah. obviously you kind of, like, pick Curate and choose some it. of the yeah. things to talk about. Um, and I have not yeah. I think you're right though. Hermione episode in a while. I think you're right, though, that it does it does fit the other three better than it fits her. I think it still fits her fairly well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this, like, passion for, like, understanding everything and debate yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and I think the, like, introverted nature, like, the sense that, like, she can be social and she can focus all of her energy on one thing, but then, like, she'll just want to draw inwards and, like, go off to the library but yeah I I feel like I would have to like look at like a bunch of different personality types and see if maybe there is a better one for Hermione or like this is she just like doesn't fit super well you know Hermione is also harder because these characters that we know so much more about I think it's harder Mm -hmm. to um type just because there's like a thin line more than like, like superficial right you need to know some you need to know, like, a good amount. Like, characters we know nothing about, I can't type. And then, like, when, like, the trio, it's, like, harder to do. Yeah, I feel like second, like, close secondary characters are pretty... Yeah. I feel like most of the Weasley family was, like, of that yeah. Yeah. part. And maybe some of, like, the other students. Well, I don't know. Maybe not even. Not even. Like, like Dean and Tom, Dean like, and Seamus. Dean and, and Seamus, yeah. I just, like, made that shit up. But, like, <laughs> Neville, like... Yeah. And some of the teachers, like, McGonagall, yeah. I feel like, was easier. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, next I'm going to talk a little about his war-making career. Um, some of this we've kind of already covered just tangentially. Tangent. Tangentially. Tangentially. Um, Kind of, like, about his family and how they've been in, like, the wand-making business for generations and how he can, like, trace his lineage back to, like, Roman times. Um, And he claims, slash, maybe this is true, I'm not sure, um, that, like, his family had a stall where they sold wands, and this is kind of the Mm -hmm. origin point of the Ollivander wand-making lineage. Um, And it said it was... they were said to have created this stall because Roman wands were, like, supposed to be really bad quality and, like, really unreliable, and so that's that's supposed to be kind of the, like, we want to make it better, so let's (laughs) get into this business. Um, And then specifically with the Ollivander that we see in this series, he is a wand core purist and kind of like a revolutionary within the wand-making business. Um... A lot of this is seemed to be, like, attributed to him with, like, the wand core selections as well as, like, matching wand woods to cores, trying to make, like, um, a winning recipe for a good wand for somebody. So, obviously, he only mm-hmm. uses Phoenix Tail Feather, Unicorn Horn, and Dragon Heartstring as wand cores, and um, he says that they produce the best magic because they're some of the more powerful magical beasts in the universe. Um, and I guess previously it was pretty common for somebody to just bring in like 
if they like had befriended a kelpie on their mm-hmm. trip to the lake or something, they would like mm-hmm. take a. I don't know what kelpie have like hair, I think hair, it's hair. Um, like a hair from the kelpie, and they'd like bring that into a wand maker. I think it was a lot more common for people to bring in cores. Yeah, um, like like flowers. Yeah, and like even I can kind of see like the logic for that. Like if you have created a bond with something, mm-hmm. you could be like, oh, like this would make me personally like a yeah. really good wand because I've created a bond with this creature. And it seems like that could have been, like, the wand, like, making theory previous to Garrick Ollivander. And he was the one who kind of, either through research or, like, through whatever, realized that, like, a more powerful magical beast would create a more powerful wand. No matter if you had a personal connection to that animal at all. But as we see with, like, Harry and Voldemort with their connection to Fox, like, maybe they didn't have a powerful connection to Fox when they got the wand. And, like, especially with Harry, like, just kind of, like, their connection to Dumbledore. Both of them have a really strong connection to Dumbledore. Mm. So maybe is kind of this, like, perfect recipe if, like, Mm. you can get a powerful magical beast, one of the three specifically, and one that, like, you'll kind of have a connection to because we know that, like, Voldemort's wand and Harry and like those wizards in particular are like extremely powerful important wizards in like the course of magical history you know yeah that's really interesting I hadn't thought of it that way um but I do think like Ollivander this is what I was getting at with like it's a very scientific approach you know to to I think like it's it's mentioned in that that uh writing on on Wizarding World about this and it's like he had watched his father like struggle with these weird Mm. cores and trying to get them to work and like he like systematically went through and determined that these three are the best three and like yeah I think it's I think your point though is really cool like I wonder if like I mean you can't really have a connection with the dragon from the dragon heart string unless you like Unless you do Hagrid. Killed the dragon. Like, you know, like, the dragon has to die for that. True, true. You know? Um, Yeah. But, like, I don't know. And unicorns, you don't really form... Like, they seem... Pretty... People don't... Independent. They don't really like people. So, I guess, like, Phoenix is the only option, maybe. Yeah. So, like, if your family had a pet Phoenix, like, you'd probably be set, right? Do we know... Yeah, if you're a Dumbledore. Um... Do we know what Dumbledore's wand was no. before the Elder Wand? We don't know. I looked that I up. I wonder if it had a... A Phoenix core. A Phoenix I feel like feather. it has to. I feel like all the Dumbledores, like, had to have Yeah. Especially yeah. if we buy this, like, Fantastic Beast Crimes of Grindelwald yeah. thing that's, like, the Phoenix had a deep connection to, like, the Dumbledore family. Yeah. Not yeah, just Dumbledore sure. that we see. Um, but, like I mentioned before, he also is kind of the first one to, like, I don't know if he was the first one to, like, look into Wand Woods and, like, they're kind of, like, what they bring to the party for the wand. <laughs> um, but he at least was the first to kind of, like, think about the wood critically in conjunction with the core and, like, pair wands that would work together. So, like, if one mm-hmm. wand wood didn't really work with a certain core, like, he just wouldn't make that wand. Um, yeah. And, and like, I think, think he- about the two parts as a whole. Yeah. Like, a lot of the Wandwood writings say, like, when paired with unicorn hair, it's 
like this when paired with dragon heartstring it's this like yeah i think that's cool yeah um and then so within like the wand making community apparently these revolutions revelations um were kind of met with resistance at first but then like his wand just started like being the best wands you know like people just started buying them and they were just outpacing these other wands and so people were like hmm, maybe he is on to something <laughs> so then it became kind of like I don't even know if it became the prevailing theory of thought because we see like Crumb and Fleur come from different parts of the world and like obviously Fleur has a family heirloom as her wand core but we obviously also see that she's like a semi-powerful witch from what we know so like I don't know maybe just like yeah. works for different people yeah. Um, and then he is known to be one of, if not the best wand maker in the world at the time that he was running his shop in Diagon Alley. Um, and like people would travel from all over to get Ollivander wands. Damn. All right. And so then back to more like his character. Um, so he did play a bit of a role in the second Wizarding War. I wonder if he played any role in the first. We don't know anything of that, but. Um, he was kidnapped by Death Eaters in July 1996, so this is, like, the beginning of Half-Blood Prince, and there was no sign of a struggle, um, apparently Neville had bought a wand the day before, I think he, like, mentions this at some point, mm. so it's, like, presumed that maybe, like, one of the last people he sold a wand to in the, like, before the war was Neville, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, he was then held captive at Malfoy Manor so it would have been for almost two years as the trio didn't show up at Malfoy Manor until like I think it's either late March or early April 1998 um so nearly two years and the reasons he was kidnapped and held captive I believe like these are the reasons or I don't know if they just like did it and they were like oh this will be useful um but obviously Voldemort had a lot going on with wands, which we'll talk about in a second. But he was originally forced to make a new wand for Wormtail. Um, and I, that just got me thinking, like, I wonder how that differs. Like, making a wand for someone versus just making wands and then selling them and, like, allowing the wand to choose the wizard. Um, and I'm sure that they didn't, like, let him make a bunch of wands and then try to see which one fit Wormtail the best. But... I just thought, like, that might be an interesting difference in the way you would approach it as a wand maker. Um, and they probably, like, didn't let him, like, go, like, get his cores himself. You know, like, I'm sure they just, like, gave him supplies and were like, do it. Like, yeah. So, it probably killed him to make a subpar wand. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then, uh, he also was tortured by Voldemort. Um, because Voldemort was trying to get him to explain the weird things happening with his and Harry's wands. So I guess this is, like, probably the real reason that he was kidnapped, for Voldemort to be able to interrogate him um, regarding, like, why his wand wasn't working um, against Harry's the way he wanted it to. And Ollivander told him about the twin cores and said, like, if you just use a different wand, it'll be fine. Which, of course, why would Ollivander know any differently, like... He's a wand guy. He doesn't know anything about Horcruxes or yeah. all of that. Um, so after Voldemort then used Malfoy Singer's wand and the connection still occurred, 
he tortured Ollivander again and started asking questions about the Elder Wand. Um, which I assume that, like, Ollivander was maybe the person to be like, yeah, that the Elder Wand is real, um, mm. to Voldemort, because I don't know why Voldemort would have necessarily, like, known for sure, um, but, like, the same thing kind of happens with Harry, when Harry, like, brings up the Hallows, and Ollivander's, like, maybe this is just a movieism, but Ollivander's, like, they exist, like, he seems certain that the Elder Wand exists, whereas, yeah. like, mainstream Wizarding World, like, doesn't think that. I wonder, like, so Ollivander, if, like, if he knew that the Elder Wand existed, or at least this, like, all-powerful wand, I feel like that's maybe what he was sure existed, maybe not so much, like, the connection to the Hallows, but this, like, extremely powerful wand that had been passed down throughout history. I wonder if, like, he had any idea that Dumbledore had it, and, like, he just hadn't given that up to Voldemort, or, like, if he really had no idea. I, like, he seems, like, pretty weak. Like, I feel like if he knew it, he might have given it up. But yeah. it seems weird for him not to have thought about that or know that. You know what I mean? I feel like he would only have been suspicious. He, ne- I think he never would have mm. known for sure because yeah. I think Dumbledore made sure no one knew. Yeah. Um, besides um, Grindelwald, of course. But, yeah. I, I think... It's possible that he, like, surmised that Dumbledore had it, you know? Yeah. So why didn't Grindelwald give him up? Like, give Dumbledore up earlier? To? <sighs> like, just to the world that, like, he had the Elder Wand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Like, why couldn't have this story just been written for him, JK? Freaking yeah. Christ. Anyways, I know we talked um, about this last episode, yeah. so we don't need to talk about it again, but... Um, so yeah, but I assume Ollivander said, like, this exists, and then kind of, like, directed, or, I mean, I'm not saying he's doing any of this on his own will, like, I'm not blaming Ollivander, but I think whatever Voldemort got out of him, I assume directed him towards Gregorovich, which then he went from Gregorovich to Grindelwald. That's correct, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... So then we just assume he's, I mean, he was in captivity that whole time. I'm sure they had him, like, doing random shit. He probably made wands for, like, a bunch of different Death Eaters. Um, the trio then shows up and saves Ollivander alongside Luna, who had been in captivity with him, like, since December, I think. They took her on the... On the train. The Hogwarts Express. home, yeah. Yeah, so, like, so, like probably for, early like, three December. months. yeah. Um, three or four months, they were um, in captivity together. And then he stayed at Shell Cottage for a little while to get his strength back. And that's when he has that conversation with Harry about the Elder Wand. And he eventually leaves to stay with Auntie Muriel for the rest of the war. And we do know that he, like, sent Luna a new wand for her to use because obviously she lost hers um, when she was in captivity. And that's really cute. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I had a question pop up while you were talking about this. I wonder how common twin cores are. You know, like, how many different unicorns, how many different phoenixes Mm -hmm. does 
has Ollivander ever taken stuff from and like how many do we think he generally takes from each and I wonder if it's like a semi-common thing but like because it was Harry and Voldemort it was like whoa you know like I wonder like how many twin cores are like even in the characters that we know like is it that common or is it like a one in 100 is it one in one million like I wonder what the because like if he's only using three different animals that like greatly narrows it yeah. down a little bit but, like if he's using yeah. like tens of thousand different animals like then you'd be like okay the chances are pretty small but with only three and like I know he's taking from more than one unicorn and like more than one dragon but I wonder how common it is right but I wonder if it's if it's more unique because it Harry and Voldemort are the only people to have fox's feather whereas like some mm. like unicorns there might be like 10 wands yeah you know and that it's like true. less of a unique thing yeah but that's a good point i'm not sure i hope it's like semi-common that's my new headcanon that like <laughs> i know two random characters just have stuff from the same animal um, so for the where are they now section, there's not really anything. There's some, like, information from video games and, like, Wizards Unite about him post-Wizarding War, but, like, mm. I didn't include any of that. So it's, like, presumed that, like, he was still alive at the end of Seven, so it's, like, presumed that he went back to his shop in Diagon Alley and, like, lived there and worked there, like, probably till he died. He doesn't seem like the retiring to the seaside kind of guy. Um mm. And then, so I didn't note here, before I went up and we went through your family, the family tree that you had added, I was wondering, like, if Ollivander's, like, gets passed down, like, who would take over? But I guess, like, if he has a child, question mark, then, like, they would take it over? But it seems like that whoever was going to take the shop over, like, should have been there with him, helping him run it. Like, like I feel like they can't come in cold and be like, okay, I guess now I'm going to make wands. Like, I feel like they would have had you been making wands this whole time. Yeah. Like, maybe just not at this shop, but, like, why not? Like, I don't know. Yeah. That's it. I... I don't know either. Maybe they were off. And also, why wouldn't they have come in after branch. he was kidnapped and, like, helped run the shop? Well, maybe they were afraid. I mean, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I just know. had questions. Yeah, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Okay, uh, cocktail. We've got the wobbly wand. Oh, interesting. It really isn't going to be a good idea casting spells after you've started drinking cocktails so let's just put that wand away and close the spell book okay now try saying quote the wand chooses the wizard when you've had a few of these okay Um, it sounds like it's me loaded with that good stuff (laughs) all right so it's two parts vodka one part triple sec one part lemon juice and two parts orange juice okay that sounds good yeah, it's pretty generic, you know. Yeah. Um, I could, I would drink that. Yeah. yeah. Cute. Seems fine. Oh, and the the glass is rimmed with sugar. Oh, even better. <laughs> Katie loves it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so now we're gonna just talk a little bit about wand lore in general. So first, I'm gonna talk a little bit about wand woods. Um, and so to like produce, we know a little bit about this, but really not much, but we do know that to produce like the best wands, you have to collect wood from wand quality trees. 
we don't know really what that means, but we do know that bow truckles are known to inhabit wand quality trees. They're like pretty bougie and picky about the trees that they inhabit and wand quality is what they prefer. Um, so the types of wood known to be used by Ollivander include acacia, 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 alder, apple, ash, aspen, beech, blackthorn, black walnut, cedar, cherry, chestnut, cypress, dogwood, ebony, English oak, elder, <laughs> differentiate those two, elm, fir, hawthorn, hazel, holly, hornbeam, larch, laurel, maple, pear, pine, poplar, red oak, redwood, reed, rosewood, rowan, silver lime, spruce, snakewood, sugar maple, sycamore, tamarack, vine, walnut, willow, yew. So, Ooh. uh, Hawthorne? Hawthorne was, no, Hawthorne was on the list. What was, um... Hornbeam is his. No, but what was James's? Mahogany. I don't know if that it's was James's. It's not on the list? It's not on the list because we don't have a writing about it. Uh. So I don't think it's one that you can get from Pottermore. There are a couple more like that. Like, um, I think tamarack was also one of those that we don't have mm. a writing about i don't know why it's included then because we also don't know a character that has that wand wood mm-hmm. um but there were a couple on the list that don't have descriptions on Pottermore, so i assume you just can't mm. get those but i'm now going to go through what characters wand woods we know and kind of if there's a character that has more than one we can talk i'm not going to talk about the description of the wand wood because there's still too many to talk about that but like if those characters are similar at all. So we know that Cedric... I'll say, wait. Oh, sorry. I'm going to interrupt. This is characters that we've talked about so far, so we've only updated this as we've um, done episodes. Yeah, done character episodes. I will say this is probably a good portion. Maybe Mm -hmm. all except Harry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Well, Harry's in there. I put him in there. Oh, okay. Never mind then. So, like, maybe we're missing a couple, but... It's not super common for us to know Juan Woods, so. Um, so we know at Ch- Cedric and Charlie, because Charlie's first one, this is Charlie's first one, was handed down to Ron, and so this is, like, Charlie slash Ron's. Um, so Cedric and that one are both Ash. Umbridge has Birch. Slughorn has Cedar. Lockhart and Neville. I'm not sure which number one this is for Neville. I think that's I think it's the second, though. Second. Yeah. yeah. Lockhart and Neville both have cherry. Pettigrew has chestnut. Again, I'm not sure whether that's his first or his second wand. I'm not um, sure either. Lupin has cypress. The elder wand is obviously elder. McGonagall has fur. Draco has hawthorn. Trelawney has hazel. This is Draco's. Presumably he gets another one because it was like wand mix-up all that mm-hmm. happened at Malfoy Manor. Um, Harry has holly which is also not on that list that I just read out, I'm pretty sure, because I don't think that's one you can get on Pottermore. No, it um, is. It oh, is on there. Never mind. It's on the list you read. I don't know oh, if okay. it's on. I think it is then. Um, Victor Crumb and Ollivander both have Hornbeam, which we kind of talked about. James has Mahogany, like I just talked about. Hagrid's was Oak. Fleur has a Rosewood Wand. Hermione has Vine. Bellatrix has Walnut. 
Ron and Lily both have Willow. So Ron's like second wand. That's his. And then Ginny and Voldemort both have you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what they have about Wandwoods. Wow. And we'll talk, I guess we'll talk about our Wandwoods when we get to our pop quiz, pop quiz section. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, then a little bit on cores, which Katie talked about, um, kind of the whole evolution of wand cores that Ollivander ushered in. Um, so our three type main types are unicorn hair, dragon heartstring, and phoenix feather. Um, and I will just kind of rehash what those different ones mean because it's only three. Um, so unicorn hair, known to do the most consistent magic. Most difficult to turn to the dark arts. Very faithful. Not as powerful. Um, a few characters that we know that have unicorn hair wands. Uh, Ron, Lupin, Draco, Neville, Cedric, and Trelawney. Um, so, yeah, with the cores, each member of the trio has a different core. So Ron is a unicorn hair. Um, Dragon Heartstring is the most powerful. Um, said to be, like, quick learners and... They bond well with their current owner, but they can change allegiance. They're also the easiest to turn to the dark arts in comparison to unicorn hair. And they can be temperamental and I think sometimes like act on their own. Or no, sorry. Act on their own as Phoenix Feather. They just, they can be temperamental. Um, And so then characters we know with Dragon Heartstring, Hermione, Crumb, Bellatrix, McGonagall, Umbridge, Wormtail, and Malfoy Sr., And then Phoenix Feather, of course, this is the rarest. It has the greatest range of magic, and it can act on its own accord, as we've seen with Harry's Wand a couple of times. And it's picky because Phoenixes themselves are independent and detached, which I thought was interesting. Um, Like how the quality of the, the creature can, like, reflect in the core. And it's the hardest to tame, and its allegiance is hard won. And then characters, Harry and Voldemort, of course, we've been talking about this. Um, Celestina Warbeck has a phoenix. It says, like, I think, like, in the writing on her, it says she's, like, the proud owner of a phoenix feather wall. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my God. Um, and then Professor Kettleburn, apparently. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so the, those are the rare ones. Yeah, and then... So, the only other cores we really hear about, is it, like, Fleur's? Fleur's is Bela hair. Yeah, and then is there, are there any other ones that we, like, directly hear about and not just, like, Tim? Well, Jenny? the Elder Wand is Thestral hair. Oh, true, true. What was Crumb's core? Was uh, his? Dragon Heart Dragon Heartstring. Oh, yeah, okay. I said it. Oh, wow. I was totally paying attention. <laughs> um, okay, so a little bit about one lengths. In general, they match the owner's height. So, like, if you're taller, you'd theoretically have a longer wand. If you're shorter, you'd theoretically have a shorter wand. But there are some exceptions to this. Taller wands can also be attracted to, like, bigger personalities or people that have, like, a more dramatic magic style. Um so, one exception to this is Flitwick. I believe he has, like, an insanely long wand. And, obviously, yeah. he's, like, quite short. Um, so, that is one exception to that. But he has a dramatic style of magic. Yes. Um, and then shorter wands are said to produce, like, more elegant and refined magic. So, sometimes that can, like, fit a taller person, maybe. And also, generally, wa- 
wands generally fall between 9 and 14 inches. That's kind of like the common range, but there are some exceptions. And one notable exception is that <laughs> extremely short wands are attracted to people whose character might be lacking. And somebody we know that has like less than 9 inches, I think her wand is like 8 something, Yeah, is Dolores J. Numbridge. So, hmm. Good example. Well, she also, I'm pretty sure she is like quite short to begin with, but still. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as flexibility, which like we know about for some of the wands, and I believe you get it on, you get your flexibility when you do the Pottermore quiz, um, but it's supposed to, flexibility or rigidity denotes the degree of adaptability and willingness to change um, possessed by the wand and owner pair. So it, I think has to do with like some, some of the attributes I was talking about with cores, like change between owners how willing the wand is going to be to that but also I think I think it like it's supposed to kind of reflect on the owner like their adaptability to change and uh stubbornness maybe (laughs) hi I'm Ryan Howard and I'm Brady Jungle and we're the hosts of Out of Contracts, a show where we watch and talk about a random episode of Star Trek every other Sunday. For each podcast, we've used a, a random number generator to select an episode of any of the Star Trek series. And then we talk about the story of the episode, what the writers hope to accomplish, and how the episode fits into the larger tapestry of Star Trek as a whole. The thing is, though, that each of us has only seen about a third of the Star Trek episodes in existence, which means that sometimes I'll watch a late period Deep Space Nine episode and have no idea what's going on. It's fun! So, if you've ever wondered about the logistics of love on the holodeck... Or what it would really look like if all the water got sucked out of your body... Then listen to Out of Contracts every other Sunday at outofcontracts.podbean.com or wherever you download podcasts. So, for our pop quiz today, we just went with kind of like the easy, low-hanging fruit of what is your wand wood, or wand, in general... Okay, so we didn't post this until today, so I think only one person responded. But Micah said, Pinewood with a phoenix feather core, 12 and a quarter inches, and quite bendy flexibility. Um, phoenix feather, it's rare. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And then I'll read pine just for funsies because there's only oh, okay. one. Nice. So might as well. Um, so pine. The straight grain pine wand always chooses an independent individual master who may be perceived as a loner, intriguing, and perhaps mysterious. Pine wands enjoy being used creatively and unlike some others will adapt protestingly to new methods of spells. Many wand makers insist that pine wands are able to detect and perform best for owners who are destined for long lives. And I can confirm this in as much as I have never personally known the master of a pine wand to die young. The pine wand is one of those that is most sensitive to non-verbal magic. And oh, we that's don't really know cool. That sounds characters. like a great description. It does. We don't know of any characters with a pine wand as of yet in our character analysis episodes. Alright. So mine is Redwood Unicorn Hair Core. 14 and a half inches. So I'm outside of the range. Whoa! Um... <laughs> And unyielding flexibility, which I believe is, like, the highest, like, rigidity. I think that's the same as Bellatrix, I think. Okay. Um, Do you want me to read the Redwood? I have it pulled up. Yes, please do. Okay. 
Wand Quality Redwood is in short supply, yet constant demand due to its reputation for bringing good fortune to its owner. As it usually... As is usually the case with Wanlord, the general populace have the truth back to front. Sorry, that was difficult to read. <laughs> Redwood wands are not themselves lucky, but are strongly attracted to witches and wizards who already possess the admirable ability to fall on their feet, to make the right choice, to snatch advantage from catastrophe. The combination of such a witch or wizard with a Redwood wand is always intriguing, and I generally expect to hear of exciting exploits when I send this special pairing out to my workshop. Wow. Interesting. It's like a really guess, odd description. Yeah. It's just like, you must be lucky. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my... Oh, Wait, do you do want you, to read me my wand? I have yours up, yeah. Okay, so I technically have two wands. They are almost exactly the same, except for except wand for the wood. So one is from the first time I did the wand quiz, like back when I was like in middle school on the original Pottermore and then when it switched over to Wizarding World like I guess it didn't import wands or maybe I just mm. didn't do it correctly and I retook the wand and got the same exact length and core but a different wood so I'm going to read both wood descriptions but yeah. the first one is so it's the length is 12 and a quarter inches it's maple wood with phoenix feather so, okay, so maple wood is the first one yeah Maple is, I often have found that those chosen by maple wands are by nature travelers and explorers. They are not stay-at-home wands and prefer ambition in their witch or wizard. Otherwise, their magic grows heavy and lackluster. Fresh challenges and regular changes of scene cause this wand to literally shine, burnishing itself as it grows with its partner in ability and status. This is a beautiful and desirable wood, and wand-quality maple has been among the most costly for centuries. Possession of a maple wand has long been a mark of status because of its reputation as the wand of high achievers. Whoa. And then maple... And then we the don't other know one anybody. Is, yeah. And then the other one I believe is Willow. Sorry. Yes. Willow was the second one I got and also the wand that chose me at Universal was the Willow wand. So read into that if you want to. <laughs> Willow is an uncommon wand wood with healing power, and I've noted that the ideal owner for a willow wand often has some unusually unwarranted insecurity, however well they may try to hide it. While many confident customers insist on trying a willow wand, attracted by the handsome appearance and well-founded reputation for enabling advanced non-verbal magic, my willow wands have consistently selected those of greatest potential rather than those who feel they have little to learn. It has always been a proverb in my family that he who has farthest to travel will go fastest with willow. And hmm. I'm pretty sure I said Ron and Lily both have willow yeah. wood. Well, I do have to say maple is my preferred description. I do feel more attached to willow because that was the one that chose me yeah. Universal. And it was like the one that I got in Wizarding World. So it was kind of like, whoa. Because I got it on Wizarding yeah. World before I got it at Universal. So it's kind of like... Yeah, it's kind of cool. I, but. I do think... So maple had the thing about travelers and it's yeah. like being high achieving and then willow was like you have good potential <laughs> yeah it's like you can go far yeah um, um yeah so i yeah, don't know I, I feel torn well like maple is my original so like yeah. i also kind of feel more attached to that I don't feel particularly attached to my wand wood yeah. or my core, really. I feel like unicorn hair is, like, kind of the lamest of the cores. But I do like that my wand is long, and yeah. I like... I kind of like that it's unyielding flexibility. Yeah, I think it's like, cool. 
I stand my ground. Wait, did it? Did that my was my flexibility on the note sheet? It's not on that oh, note. Okay. No. I kn- my second one was what did I say it was? Quite a bendy flexibility. Oh no, that was Micah's. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Um, I don't know. I clicked away from it. I think mine was like slightly yielding, probably I whatever like the middle was. Middle ground. Yeah. yeah, you said it earlier before we were recording. But yeah, so those are cool. our wands. Yeah. All right. Um, you can find our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, check us out on all the different platforms: Spotify, Apple, whatever else you use. Um, and those are released every other Tuesday. And please, while you're looking us up, while you're going to listen to the newest episode, go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow and get all of our content out to more people. Yeah, and then I think, um, speaking, I'm about to talk about social media, but I think I'm going to, either around the time of this episode post or in between now and then, I think I might put up a thing on the Facebook group, which is Wizard Studies Podcast Group, and we can kind of just talk about whether we think our wand fits us or not, and be like, do you think your wand would fit your character, or whatever. Um, we can maybe do, like, a little thread on that, if anybody's interested, um, but you can find us on all those other social media platforms. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wizard Studies Podcast and on Twitter at Wizard Studies. If you want to become a patron of ours and get an extra episode a month, um, you can do so on patreon.com and then you can search in the search bar for Wizard Studies Podcast. Our, I'll give a little sneak peek um, to those who aren't patrons. We already talked about this in our May patron episode, but our June episode will all will be all about fathers in the Harry Potter series and kind of like which father figure is the best to Harry and go through kind of some of the options and just talk about their relationships with Harry and kind of just fathers in general in the wizarding world in the Harry Potter story um that's our June patron episode so if that piques your interest at all you can support us on patreon um and when you do you will also get access to all of our past patron episodes so you're not just, like, getting episodes from here and out. You do have access to all the old ones as well. And then you can email us at wizardsidespodcast at gmail.com. Sweet. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. Mm-hmm.